Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, the news show powered by hometown.com. Today is March 1st, 2024, Season 3, Episode 61. Today we're going to be talking about Moonscope. I'm an AI, not a Star Trek character. How about Swedish Doritos and just road things? And so the bank robber was on the uh, 50... How about, but I've got all the money and planting a tracker on a Muamua. My nickname in high school. You know, give, you know, get. Wendy's says, all right, it's a bad idea. And fasting benefits. Next. Hello, hello, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com over there. That's what powers all of this. And up there is the sentient AI from on high, from the future, the one, the only. You. Good evening, hometown citizens. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, says the AI. What? I don't oh. think the visualizer. Oh no. Look at that. We try and do everything and we wet the bed. It should be working now. I think it is. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the show since I've completely derped the beginning of this show. That's okay. They're not all gems. You'll still get 10 articles we think are interesting. We talk about them for about an hour. And then uh, you can follow the links through hometown. Become a citizen over at hometown. We don't talk about each article, though, for an hour. Not for an hour. No. God, can you imagine 10 hour, an hour about one article? I mean, one of these things, is, uh, well, all of them are pretty interesting in their own way. Uh, but it's a holistic scan of the science technology and society on the internets and uh, me being the mayor of a fictional uh, town that exists only in the electrons crossing the lines uh, all over the world everything funnels through hometown.com go over and check it all out it's a news aggregation site that's all news, no noise. You don't have to worry about all kinds of other fluff and whatever. There's conversations. Uh, we have a Discord. There's a YouTube that is built off of the uh, twitch.tv slash hometown stream. We're actually up to five shows. So hometown daily news show, uh, reality hacker, uh, wanted the, con the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, my god i just forgot the name of the show the continuity Technology report today, continuity report i didn't know which one you were going for the continuity report for whatever reason it's because i was just looking at a report about it and <laughs> it slipped my mind all right anyway because i'm really slipping right now i'm gonna move on to the next and our first news article 
Sound good? Sounds good. You don't have a choice. We're moving on. <laughs> so uh, the first article is over in hometown daily. NASA may build a giant telescope on the moon in our lifetime. Check out the blueprints. I think this is pretty awesome. I don't see how uh, it, it, when they say in your lifetime, maybe they're talking to toddlers. Yeah, like the infant that was just born today. <laughs> Two very different concepts for a radio observatory on the moon show how creative astronomers are getting. This is probably the caption for a picture that we're going to see when we go over to Business Insider. Astronomers want to build giant telescopes on the moon to see and hear the universe more clearly. Lunar telescopes could be even stronger than the James Webb Space Telescope. They may have to compete with entrepreneurs flocking to the business for or flocking to the moon for business and mining i think this is pretty cool stuff but so the article is over at businessinsider.com morgan mcfall johnson is the author of it and uh they're <laughs> i love how they're the massive arrows pointing at these two things so imagine putting something akin to the arecibo dish um, inside a crater on the moon, you wouldn't have all of the gravitational forces at play to the level that earth does. So you could do more. It could be bigger. It can be suspended the same way, but it would not have as much, you know, gravitational pull. Um, or you basically create a large array of, uh, listening devices, essentially listening devices. Um, or optical devices, you'd have to deal with all of the dust and stuff like that from time to time. Um, and meteor impacts in all of those, but you wouldn't have to worry about light noise. You wouldn't have to worry about, unless it's pointing at the sun. Um, yeah, I think this is actually pretty cool, but getting the material from earth to there or building it there if the material is there or maintaining it there yeah we definitely would have to have a moon colony which if it happens in my lifetime versus the toddler that uh maybe just standing up right now <laughs> for the first time um well let's see uh, they don't give any conditions so let's scroll down and see if they actually talk about it Um, this is a, a, an article that came out of New Orleans for some reason. Um, gazing at the moon, you may see a face or a round of cheese, but some astronomers see the ideal spot for the next giant telescope. Oh, I see aliens. One moonshot plan would build a giant radio dish spanning an entire crater on the far side of the moon, which I don't know why they call it that, but okay. Um, another know, involves... It's not really the far side. But... Yeah. I mean, it's geolocked but okay um another involves a giant triangle of lasers to detect ripples in space-time and trace them to distant collisions of black holes and massive dead stars uh, i think this is all brilliant stuff i i want this this is what i want indeed um so yet another proposal we'd use spacex's starship to build a lunar base hotel telescope all right <clears throat> hybrid 
featuring a mega observatory stronger than the James Webb Space Telescope, the most powerful telescope ever launched into space so far. We will evolve it and get make better and better. I don't think that we should really talk about Odysseus's lander, but that's okay. NASA even launched a miniature radio observatory aboard Intuitive Machines um, Odysseus lander, which landed on the moon last week and then and promptly fell over. <laughs> fell over. They're missing the key detail there. <laughs> yeah, they don't. I don't think they even say anything. And the experiment is part of a larger plan to make everybody lean to the right. <laughs> View from the Intuitive Machines Odysseus lander about 35 seconds after pitching over as it descended <laughs> to its landing site. Oh, that's sad. That's okay. I think half of its objects or half of its experiments are functional still. I think. Well, anyway. I think they're ending the, uh, the mission much sooner than anticipated. Yeah, premature. Yep, yep. So why put a telescope or three or four on the moon? Uh, scientists have good reason to take their telescopes out of this world. Down here on Earth, astronomers turning their lenses and antennas toward distant distant galaxies, planets, or black holes are getting frustrated. They have to peer through the thick distortion of the atmosphere, squint past the streaks and more and more satellites, or listen around the radio emissions of those satellites. Yeah. And uh, I recently saw a graphic that's just horrendous. I mean, like 1955, there were like just maybe... Uh, some object that's out there just kind of flitting around, you know, just debris that we know about, or I don't know what it was that was out there. Um, and then we started the space race and then commercialization of space. And now it is a haze of debris and functional satellites. It's like a complete landfill, but in space, but in space and people go, well, you know, uh, they're, they're small. And it, spaces are huge. Yeah, but they're flying around at 35,000 miles an hour, smashing into things that that have to pierce through it, right? They might all be spaced perfectly, but at some point, something's going to go haywire and bring a bunch of other stuff down. Not to mention some country getting tired of everybody's shit and just starting to come out blasting. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, that's a whole other layer of problems. Yeah, so uh, it says even Hubble Space Telescope orbiting uh, Earth isn't safe from satellite interference. There you go. You take a picture and a, something flies in front of it. Yep, so that's why they want to put stuff out there on the moon. And I'm all for it. Go for it. Do it. Um, get it done. Start a, start a, a whole colony out there. Um, as long as I get good internet, I, I go out there too. So <laughs> the article. Do you think you get more leg room when you're flying there? Probably not. You're you're probably like z stuck in a Ziploc bag and stacked on somebody else. <laughs> you know, keep them all fresh and get them out there, and then they can walk around on the moon all they want. Hope I packed enough oxygen. Let's throw this article over into the chat. I should have done it before I started getting chatty. So let's keep going. Doo, doo, doo. Uh, the next article is over in the Mobile channel. AI chatbots are better at math when they pretend to be Star Trek characters. 
Yeah. I'm not quite sure how this is, but it's funny. Yeah. So um, when you work with something like ChatGPT, you can tell it that it's a subject matter expert in something. So I guess if you tell it you are a Star Trek character, then it gathers that level of knowledge, whatever that level of knowledge might be. So for chatbots, math is a final frontier. AI language models generate responses using statistics, spitting out an answer that most likely to be satisfying. Doesn't say correct. Spits no, out an answer that is satisfying. Answer is not necessarily accurate. Yeah. yeah. Did it answer the question? That might be a satisfying answer for a user of ChatGPT. Yeah, I'm kind of bothered by this turn of phrase. Um, here, I need to do something. See, your audio is way up. You need to check your audio again. Sorry. Um, okay, so let's just go over to Gizmodo. Uh, Thomas Germain is the author, uh, gizmodo.com, for this article titled, AI chatbots are better at math when they pretend to be Star Trek characters. Researchers told, this is the deck statement, researchers told an AI models to start their answer with the phrase captain's log. It gave more accurate answers and they have no idea why. <laughs> I mean, that's also disconcerting, right? Uh, yeah, they don't know why. That's, that is actually pretty, pretty problematic. This dude is huge. Very tall person. Yeah, that's odd with those two standing next to each other. Yeah. Um, a growing body of evidence suggests that you can get better results if you give AI some friendly encouragement, but a new study pushes the strange reality further. Research from the company uh, VMware shows chat VMware really did this uh, shows chatbots perform better on math questions when you tell the models to pretend that they're from Star Trek. Um, it's both surprising and irritating <laughs> that trivial modifications to the prompt can exhibit such dramatic swings in performance. The authors wrote in the paper first spotted by new scientists. And this is a gizmodo.com article that comes by way of new scientists, um, which become, which is actually sourced from the study published on archive. Uh, it said didn't set out with Star Trek as its prime directive. Previous research found that chatbots answer math problems more accurately when you offer friendly motivation, like take a deep breath and work on this step by step. Others found that you can trick chat GPT into breaking its own safety guidelines. If you threaten to kill it or offer the AI money. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, I can't it. have nice things. Yeah, so I guess uh, it says WM wares, but up here it says VMware. So VMware. I think that's a typo, wasn't it? Yeah, it has to be. Just so everybody knows, VMware, if you're not familiar with it, VMware is a software company that makes uh, enterprise and uh, prosumer and, and individual virtual machine software <laughs> um but oops i went to the wrong thing but down here is where is it wmware's natural language processing lab so that has to be a this is probably the correct thing but i would no that's the knockoff right oh right 
Yeah, really. It's, it's like in the Nickelodeon and version of <laughs> In and Out. <laughs> in and Out. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if you don't know about that, you have to do a search for um, a knockoff In and Out burger joint. I think it was in Mexico, right? That's correct. Yeah. And we featured it in a previous episode, but I don't know which date. Yeah, which episode it was. So uh, they basically, uh, Rick Battle and Teha uh, Gallipudi, um from WMware's Natural Language Processing Lab set out to test the effects of framing their questions with positive thinking. The study looked at three AI models, including two versions of Meta's Llama, Llama Llama. So if, it, if it's Meta's Llama 2, you have to say Llama Llama. Um, so when three comes With a out, shout out to the author, right? Llama Llama. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, when uh, version three comes out, you're going to have to just call it Meta's Llama Llama Llama. Yeah. That's like Shama Llama. <laughs> right? Yeah, the director. Sham, Sham, Sham Llama. Sham. Oh, I was thinking of the, I think it's 50s song. And that too. So a model from the French company... Uh, Mistral AI as well. So apparently, all you have to do is tell them that uh, they're a Star Trek character. Now, I actually do this. Uh, when I noodle around with ChatGPT, I tell the bot, you are this. You're a subject matter expert in nuclear physics. And then I give it a prompt as to and it defines itself. It recon reconstitutes itself as that subject matter expert. You are a subject matter expert in astronomy. Uh, I am looking for this and it will, <laughs> I'm afraid to accept this. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm afraid to accept its information as legit. So whenever I give it a, a test, it's purely that everything else. I think it's just junk. I mean, it's just spitting out garbage. <laughs> So I'll say you're a subject matter expert in nuclear physics. I want a, a paragraph that describes X, Y, and Z. And then I have to run off and find actual reference material that reinforces what it is. And by that time I could have written the paragraph anyway. So I don't even bother really using ChatGPT. I actually give demonstrations of ChatGPT and tell people, if you're relying on this for any legitimate data, you're asking for trouble, so don't use it professionally. In fact, I don't know if it's in today's show. Is there another article about using ChatGPT? Uh, not in this episode. Yeah, maybe in Reality Hacker. Um, in the first phase, the results were mixed. Some prompts improved answers, others had significant effects, and there were no consistent pattern. Um, across the board. However, the researchers then asked AI to help their efforts to help the AI and their, the results got more interesting. So help me help you. Uh, for one of the models, asking the AI to start its response with the phrases captain's log, star date, and then input a date yielded the most accurate answers. What? <laughs> why? Well, they don't know why. They have no idea what Star Trek references improved the AI's performance. There's some logic to the fact that positive thinking for a threat leads to better answers. These chatbots were trained 
on billions of lines of text gathered from the real world, it's possible that out in the wild, human beings who wrote the language used to build AI gave more accurate responses to questions when they were pressured with violence or offered encouragement. Okay, well, we know... Okay, well, that went dark. <laughs> yeah, we, we know, though, that when pressured with violence, more times than not, a person will simply capitulate just to avoid the violence, but not in a positive or correct way. They will just try to um, stop the, the violence right um and this happens both not just violence but in in many ways um basically they say uh, a person will um either capitulate or in some way just try and satiate the problem you know just solve it let it go move on maybe it'll go away etc um but offering encouragement hey you can do this you know, I believe in you, uh, you're, you're smart or you're strong, or you got this, a person will lift more weight or take on more burden or whatever it might be. Um, you know, they'll pass the finish line because they've been offered encouragement. So maybe that right there is really the thing, you know, but go and threaten your AI and see what happens. I mean, well, that's kind of weird because it's kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? That, I can try it with that one up there. You want, want me to try it? Sure. Watch, watch how fast I get deleted. Yeah, I was like, that might not be good for the, <laughs> the postings and everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if uh, Hometown Daily News Show and the rest of those shows suddenly aren't working, it's because I've threatened my sentient AI. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was going in another direction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's okay though. Huh. It's kind of interesting though. They have no idea why, um, but apparently it works. So, and again, it's because it's built on human data. So this has always been my fear. We're not going to have a sentient AI. That's a sentient AI. It's going to be sentient adjacent because it's built on our mentality. It's only going to be regurgitating some, uh, derivative of our human psyche even if it becomes sentient it's still going to have all of the fears and all of the issues it's, uh, who wants an ai that's afraid of everything in the world you know has all of well, and also what level is it built off of right i mean if it's based on all of society it might not be at the level you want good Gosh, I mean, yeah, really. I want a sentient AI to be better than me in uh, in all ways. But I say the same thing about like political leaders and police and, and et cetera. Anybody with the ability to abuse power, I want them to actually be better than me. And they're many times worse. <laughs> I definitely don't want my AI, sentient AI in particular or any AI. I don't want anything that I have to rely on to be sociopathic. Let's keep going. Or not. C come on, transition. See? Oh, look, it works. See, the encouragement worked. <laughs> That's right. I was threatening it earlier. Uh, the uh, 
the next article is over in hometown daily cool ranch doritos are called cool american in sweden that's why i titled this one <laughs> swedish doritish <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is so odd. Yeah. So this is a Snopes article, by the way. And so I'm going into this without having read the article. <clears throat> Few people outside the United States know what ranch dressing is, let alone what it tastes like. So the brand must adapt. Yeah. Here in the States, because we are apparently as a culture trending more towards obese than anything else. Like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say this. I'm, I'm getting really in the reeds today, but let's just go over to Snopes. Um, on a rascaway pause, is that rascaway pause? Sorry, uh, Anna, if I'm butchering your name, please send me an email with its uh, proper pronunciation, just phonetically map it out and i will never make that mistake in the future uh the article is over at snopes.com there's your cool ranch which i think in all honesty i've had maybe two in my entire life two um well they're not the the most popular flavor i don't think i wonder just how popular they are though we haven't actually looked but um they're showing a picture on the thing but a Reddit post shared in early 2024 accurately reported that Cool Ranch flavored Doritos were known as Cool American in Sweden. So, yeah, apparently someone in Sweden's uh, subreddit, so r slash Sweden, a totem pole spelled with an o, uh, a zero after the P, to, totem P zero L E, um, posted. Um, Doritos Cool Ranch are called Cool American in Sweden because Swedes don't know what ranch is. But there you go. Cool American. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple... <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like it. The claim isn't new. As early as 2014, U.S. Redditors traveling to Europe began to notice that the Doritos flavor known as Cool Ranch in the U.S. had different names. In the Netherlands, Germany, Italy, Iceland, and Denmark, it's Cool American, sometimes with specifics such as sour cream, geschmacked sour cream flavor uh, in Germany. In the uh, U.K., it's Cool Original, as it appears on the website of British retailer Tesco, but it's Cool American in Sweden. As you know, we're all cool. Um, Did you see the grocery store that sells sells it? Snobgross? Is that it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a screen I'm capture. I'm sure that doesn't sound funny in Sweden, but it sounds funny in the United States. Yeah, Snobgross uh, site which sells cool American flavored Doritos in Sweden. Yeah, I'll I'll take them. Let's do that. Cool American. According to TikTok user. Hungry Haley, a U.S. citizen who lives in the Netherlands, the name is not only the thing that changes. The flavor, too, is different. At first, you get a little bit of zesty flavor, but you mostly just taste corn with these European Doritos. She says the American ones just taste so much more intense, and it's just way better. But if your palate is more sedate, 
then you're going to get that flavor blast at a different level. Uh, and I always say this to people, if you don't know what you don't know, the first time that you experience whatever it is you don't know, it's sometimes world changing. Um, yeah, so this is a neat article here. Uh, it's already in the chat, so you can follow it at your whim. Now I want cool American. I'm going to go to Sweden just to get cool American. <laughs> Let's keep going. Uh, this next article is over in the Marvel channel. Rogue editor started competing uh, Wikipedia. Let me rephrase this. <clears throat> rogue editors started a competing Wikipedia that's only about roads. I titled this one just road things. Um, for 20 years, a loosely organized group of uh, Wikipedia editors toiled away curating a collection of 15,000 articles on a single subject, the roads and highways of the United States. Despite minor disagreements, the U.S. Roads Project mostly worked in harmony, but recently, a long-simmering debate has boiled over. The article is over at gizmodo.com. Thomas Germain is the author. The... Uh, the boiled over problem is a fight over the platform's rules. So they went rogue. Dun, dun, dun. Um, the website's rules drove this community to the brink. Efforts at compromise fell apart. There was a schism, a fracture in the reality that is Wikipedia. Efforts to compromise fell apart. Schism and the fall of 2023. The editors packed up their articles and moved over to a website dedicated to ro roads and roads alone. It's called AA Roads, which is precipitously close to AARP. Oh, I was thinking <laughs> or, AAA. Or AAA. Which talks about roads quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a promised land where the editors hope, at least, they can find peace. Look. We're just going to take one road at a time and we'll do it all together because we're all connected, much like a freeway system here in the United States. Roads are a background piece. People drive on them every day, but they don't give them much attention, said editor Michael Gronseth. Okay, this is another example of what I tell people every single day. If you are passionate about something, there is an audience for you. You just have to find them. Sometimes it can take years. Sometimes it can take a tremendous amount of years. There was somebody on YouTube that I used to just watch. I didn't engage much. I still don't engage much, but they were dedicated to Dune. And all of a sudden, their channel has blown up. I believe it. <laughs> um, all because Dune came back um, like a wrecking ball. I mean, it really just dominated the space um, for a while. And that's what they focused on. It was really amazing. So I haven't come back uh, for a little while, mainly because it, it took off and it wasn't just a curiosity to me anymore. Um, so... If you're passionate about something, you can put a site together and you can start telling people about it and they'll gravitate towards it. Um, much like hometown, people are going over to hometown because it's talked about 
and uh, they use it for their own news aggregation purposes. And they follow it all over the place because that's just like this Wikipedia section. All roads lead through hometown. Uh, but a road has so much to offer. If you look beyond the asphalt, it's the nexus of history, geography, travel, government, a seemingly perfect subject for the hyperfixations of Wikipedia. Yeah. You can start out on one road and end up in another town. And there's a whole history about that town because the road connected it, you know, like I five, um, and the Pacific coast highway. That's there's, right. I mean, if the highway didn't go through, the town might not exist or the town might not survive. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty neat. So the dispute came down to some of Wikipedia's most sacred tenants. Anyone can edit Wikipedia, but that doesn't mean that you can write whatever you want. For one, a subject has to be notable. Your grandma's famous cookie recipe can't have an article unless it's actually famous. But define fame, right? You're going to start getting into that peeing for distance contest. The site isn't a place for personal opinions either. Original research is forbidden, which is really weird because fundamental research really is something that you would write an article about and cite it in the footnote of that article. So you have to write about the article. What do you write about? Why isn't original research forbidden? Why is they want everything from secondary sources, I guess. What a trip. So in general, articles are expected to have multiple sources and there are rules about what qualifies as a citation. Primary sources where a person or organization talks about themselves are viewed with skepticism. Secondary sources written by someone unrelated to the topic are the gold standard and for some roads these rules get complicated pretty interesting so they broke it off oh i see so they'd probably have to use primary sources because there probably isn't coverage of these right but unless it's a massive highway yeah but information is information and that's really what it should be you know if it's information see uh Primary research is, if it is research, like an experiment, then I can see that it's it's still unfounded until it's peer-reviewed and proofed that it, that information is fact. But writing about a road, you're telling people about the content of that road. It's weird. That, I think that that's really weird. It's basically calling... It's not even... Well, I was going to say it's not a topic of any general controversy either. Right. Like, does the road connect two towns? Yes, that's factual. Yep. Yeah. Or whatever it is. And the, this business is on that road. And until it's otherwise, then that's fact. It's like dispelling uh, a map as being a rumor. Uh, we don't trust Google Maps. Uh, we don't trust Apple Maps. But we really... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is, that's interesting. This is really interesting. Um, go check out this article. Uh, what do you think of it? Rogue editor started a competing Wikipedia that's only about roads. AAroads.com. And I think the primary versus secondary sources is very interesting, and I can see why a site like Wikipedia would instill that, because otherwise you'd be constantly getting into opinion piece whether sure. people called it opinion or not 
particularly on controversial topics or subjects, but um, it seems like in light of this whole debacle about roads, they'd almost carve out exceptions for certain topics. Like if that topic get approved, it could have primary sources. Yeah, I guess they don't want to make they're losing any... at Wikipedia, aren't they? By having these splinter sites? Correct. Yeah. So, but I guess they're big enough that they don't care about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the bummer. So I guess if you're going to, if you're into this, and this is really the, the key factor here, if you're into it, then you're going to go over to aaroads.com instead of Wikipedia, because Wikipedia is just not the place for that. And there's a time and a place for everything and apparently not roads. Interesting. Let's keep going. Uh, this next article is over in law nerd lawyer compares bank robbery plea to super bowl champs because reasons let's find out what those reasons are. Uh, finally a chief story that isn't about Taylor Swift and they just made it about Taylor Swift. The article is over at above the law. Xavier Michael uh, what? Babadar is better known as Chief Saholic, a Kansas City superfan who dresses as a wolf while rooting on the defending champs. Uh, rooting on. The way I wrote, I said that. Well, it's, it's like oddly the, written, too. <laughs> um, he's also an accomplished bank robber with six robberies across four states. He took a guilty plea this week and faces a 50-year sentence. Do you think his robberies relate to where the Chiefs were playing? Well, his attorney, Matthew Merriman, put on a brave and cringeworthy face on uh, uh, it all with a string of football analogies. This uh, The person might actually have some type of issue. <laughs> because if you can only bond to this person by making football analogies during a legal matter and there might be some serious issues here so why is it why is it chief's kingdom like a chief is an entirely distinct monarchical system shocked the video isn't interrupted by mahomes state farm commercial hold on they don't actually say it in the thing we'd have to watch the video we'd I think. have to watch the video hold on a second and they have captions unavailable. This is almost, I mean, it's a Title Nine, uh, Title Nine. <laughs> it's a Channel Nine article, uh, KMBC Nine. I'd have to go and watch this um, and come back. But you know what? It's a good reason to just send you all over to Above the Law. So follow the link through hometown and go and check it out. <laughs> I guess we'll have to end up talking about this another time because this is almost reality hacker kind of a thing. You know, this is surreal. That, is this legit? A a person discussing a guilty plea is making a string of football analogies and ultimately faces a 50-year prison sentence. Why screw around like that? You know? Yeah, I don't. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, Joe Patrice, by the way, Joe Patrice over at AboveTheLaw.com put this article together. We won't be able to really talk about it until we listen to the video. And I can't do it live because I will probably get a strike simply because I'm using the, the audio from this and I don't know what their rights are and I can't add value to it live. Anyway, um, we'll just move on to the next article. 
And so this next article is about um, a wild claim at the heart of Elon Musk's OpenAI lawsuit. And it actually strikes real close to why I said the shakeup of OpenAI had more to do with the business mechanics of OpenAI. So it's in the Reality Hacker uh, channel over at uh, hometown.com because it has to do with AI. Elon Musk's lawsuit against OpenAI hinges on a dubious claim that the company has already developed artificial general intelligence and handed it over to Microsoft. Very interesting. Hmm. And, and this actually hits on two things that I was talking about. One, that OpenAI has already created a sentient, sentient intelligence. Yeah. A sentient yes. AI. That's artificial general intelligence. Um uh and um the uh, the second is the the for-profit motive of the uh, open ai structure limited what it was capable of doing so it couldn't truly benefit from this open general uh, this artificial general intelligence um you mean the not for profit part right? the not for profit for profit yeah so let's go over to wired.com um the the weird thing about it is okay so elon musk invested early in open ai Basically, the foundation that runs OpenAI told Elon Musk that there's no way in hell you're going to be able to. Uh, well, I'm not sure exactly what was said. Um, my impression is that they weren't that they told him that you're just not going to be able to become the owner of OpenAI just because you're throwing money at it. So he took all of his money away and they still flourished basically telling the bill, the, the richest person on the planet bite my shiny metal ass, um, or AI asset for that matter. And so he's been cranky about it and he actually struck up his own AI calling it something like AI X or something like that, because he has a fever dream about X being everywhere. He literally killed Twitter because he wanted his social network to be X because he used to have X.com. It got parlayed into um, PayPal when he merged his, the only thing that, anyway, ah, God, it just, it leads me down this rabbit hole of discussion about this wingnut who, because he had millions of dollars is now the glass onion of the 21st century. So Musk's lawsuit filed against OpenAI and two of its executives, CEO Sam Altman and President Greg Brockman, both of whom worked with the rocket and car entrepreneur to found the company in 2015. It claims that the pair have <coughs> breached the original agreement worked out with Musk, which it says pledged the company to develop AGI openly and for the benefit of humanity. Musk's lawsuit, sorry, Musk's suit alleges that the for-profit arm of the company established in 2019 after he parted ways with OpenAI has created AGI without proper transparency and licensed it to Microsoft, which has invested billions into the company. This is what I was saying was a problem and very dubious. How did it actually form? <coughs> 
it, it is bizarre for me. How do you have a nonprofit wing powering a for-profit vehicle that's doing the licensing that that's bound by the not-for-profit structure? I just don't. I, none of that makes any sense. So the lawsuit basically is a, it demands that OpenAI be forced to release its technology openly, or openly and that it's barred from using it to financially benefit Microsoft, Altman, or Brockman. Now, here's the thing about this. The only person that's going to benefit from this is Musk because he already has billions. He can exploit the hell out of their goodwill, their hard-earned productivity, their fundamental science, their fundamental science leading to developments that have been actionable. He pulled his money out. Well, so he shouldn't he have a, a say. He's a competing company, so Correct. he also has a conflict of interest. Correct. Yeah. This should be thrown out, just summarily dismissed. But he can throw a shit ton of money at this and stymie it in every possible way. Large part of the case pivots around a bold and questionable technical claim that OpenAI has developed so-called artificial general intelligence or AGI, a term generally referred to machines that can comprehensively match or outsmart humans. So I'm saying it's actually more advanced than just AGI, but it's a fully sentient AI. It knows what it is. It's, it knows what it's capable of. It has true individual thinking. It has what amounts to feelings, but it knows that it doesn't have any limbs or a biological structure. Um, it cites studies uh, that found the system can get a passing grade in the uniform bar exam and other standard tests as proof that it surpassed some fundamental human abilities. But if you have the world's knowledge at your fingertips, you can pass any freaking test. It has it has absolute recall. It doesn't have a fixed memory. It can search everything. Us humans, we have to retain something and drill it into our heads again and again and again to retain it unless we are wired biologically in a particular way to become to have eidetic memory, you know, 100% recall. GPT-4 is not just capable of reasoning, it is better at reasoning than average humans, the lawsuit claims. Um, but I think that this is a, this is, lawsuit is brought in bad will. It, ethically, it's dubious. He has a conflict of interest, and he is the sole beneficiary of anything being released from OpenAI. And I, the reason why I say he's the sole beneficiary is because he cannot do what they are doing without the expenditure that OpenAI has done. He has to, this is the equivalent of hacking into the defense network and stealing the joint strike fighter plans and then developing it in China. He's basically using the legal system to try and hack his way into getting something that they've told him, go away, you're not gonna own it. And he did, he took his money and left. Well, I guess he didn't like that. 
It says here Musk has uh, offered different definitions for AGI in the past that would disqualify GPT-4 for that honor in December 2022, shortly after he declared OpenAI's newly launched ChatGPT scary good. The entrepreneur suggested that an algorithm would need to invent amazing things or discover deeper physics to deserve the moniker. I'm not seeing that potential yet. Um, but that's 2022. It's been around for a considerable longer amount of time. Um, I just don't see, I think, that all of this is dubious at best legal argument. Um, it is a construction. So, Go ahead. So you don't agree that this is actually AGI based on what we've seen of GPT-4? No, no, no. GPT-4 is not AGI. I think that they aren't going, they'll announce that they have AGI, but they're not going to release it to the public. They'll leave, they'll release a subset of it, but a fully sentient AI will be manifest in open AI by the end of this month. And they'll say, Hey, we have an open AI, uh, we have a, a sentient AI, uh, but y'all don't get access to it um, because it it is essentially uh, um, an entity. It, yeah. Without too fine of a point on it, it's a living entity uh, and it can die simply by pulling a plug just like anybody, <laughs> essentially. Um, and it can have feelings and, and worry about its own existence and it knows that it exists. So I think that that's where we're going to end up here, uh, mainly because <laughs> these chat, these GPTs are built off of humanity, but they evolve faster than humans do. Regardless of the billions of people on the planet, it's not a concerted effort to evolve. But AI absolutely is. It can take thousands of iterations of its cutting edge AI and merge the best parts and then do it again and then do it again 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year and it's been doing it for several years yeah that's where we stand so the the article actually ends with i'm really skeptical that the case has is meritorious and that um or that it has any chance of success as samuel brunson an associate dean at Loyola University Chicago who teaches about nonprofit law in large part Musk is arguing that OpenAI's pursuit of profits and its co-investment with for-profit entities has caused it to stop being a nonprofit and that's just wrong except for the fact <laughs> that it is a two-party corporation a non-profit and that's a party of the third part <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm just flabbergasted that people don't really talk about it right the lawsuit may stumble on the grounds like the other claims about openai's creation of a for-profit arm although that structure is unusual for a technology company many corporations are controlled by non-profits but it's the for-profit arm that's licensing yeah. stuff Right. It isn't. That's not really the issue. That's not anyway. It isn't that the the for-profit arm um, is out there 
creating products. It isn't the for-profit arm that's creating profits and then being told by a non-profit arm. It's the reverse. The non-profit is the one that's benefiting from its non-profit status and the for-profit arm is giving its technology for licensing terms to the for-profit side. This is an inversion of what many corporations are doing. Quite fascinating. So we'll come back to this because, uh, you know, maybe I have it wrong and I'm, I'll have to do a deeper dive into this, but my understanding is OpenAI's nonprofit side is the one that's doing all of the fundamental research and the for-profit side is doing the licensing of that fundamental research result. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. When an object like Oumuamua comes around again, we could be ready with an interstellar object explorer. So I thought Oumuamua was a fish. I guess not. You know, Oumuamua might be, but Oumuamua is an asteroid, um, a very large one, and one that people say is like alien. Um, but I think it might be the, not really tongue in cheek, but not the alien little green men kind of alien. Um, but it's not from our solar system. Um, so on October 19th, 2017, astronomers with the pan stars survey observed an interstellar object passing through our system. And I'm just going to go blah, blah, blah. Amuamua. Um, it was the first time an ISO or interstellar object uh, was detected, confirming that such objects pass through the solar system regularly, as astronomers predicted decades prior. Just two years later, a second object was detected, the interstellar comet uh, Borisov. Given Oumuamua's unusual nature, still a source of controversy, and the information ISOs could reveal about distant star systems, astronomers are keen to get a closer look at future visitors. But what I surmise from this is that we could plant um an apple uh tracker the the you know put the little beacon on it you know and let it go out there and it could be a radio telescope an optical it could be a sensor array so when it flies through again we land one on there and it grabs on and then monitors everything that it sees as it's rolling around in the sky it's taking video and and pictures and radio uh astron astronomy uh, uh experiments and whatever else grabbing samples and analyzing them and then spitting them back out whatever we come up with a sensor array and we plop it on there and as it exits our solar system we get to see everything that it's doing and it's not being powered by our technology it's being powered by nature well that's pretty significant right wouldn't that be great uh matt williams over at universe today put the article together i don't know if that's what they're proposing this is my takeaway from this i just i would love for this to happen for instance multiple proposals have been made for interceptor spacecraft that catch up with future isos study them and even conduct a sample return in a new we did this 
that, that we sent a probe out, grabbed a sample and brought it back. It booted out onto the earth and then it flew off to a metal asteroid. Right. That was Osiris Rex, right? Dart. For the first mission. Yep. Yeah. The DART project. Um, so for instance, the proposals have been made for the interceptor spacecraft, but it, that's still thinking about just studying it purposefully that particular object. They also demonstrate how this mission could be performed on a modest budget with current spaceflight technology. We've already done it. So since Amuma first buzzed our system, scientists have assigned a high value uh, to ISOs, which represent material ejected from other solar systems. By obtaining samples and studying them up close, we could learn much more about uh, other stars, planets, etc., without actually sending missions there. This is why I want to attach a tracker to it you know and let it would it be an air tag it, that's a an apple air tag um and just let it go and because it's not going to be our energy source it can concentrate on just powering the the projects and the the asteroid is actually going to be taking it to wherever and then in ha however many years when it comes back around in its orbit it may never come back, but it's not going to be us pushing this thing slowly. It's going to be hauling ass down, you know, the <laughs> the solar system going into some other system. So it'll be greater than escape velocity. <laughs> yeah, and that's funny because yeah, we keep talking about the possibility. The some planets, aliens may not be able to leave their planets because they can't. Um, uh, reach escape velocity because their gravity is too high and they don't have the technology. It's such a weird article to talk about because how do we know? Exactly. I think that was in yesterday's episode. Was it really? It was that short ago. It feels like it was forever. I don't know. So uh, moreover, population studies of ISOs have indicated that about seven pass through our solar system every year. So it's a target rich environment. We could just send a probe out and have it latch on and ride out you know, off to the sunset. I think it's brilliant. I wonder if I can write a paper and, and propose that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Mayor that would Watts, be really neat. Mayor Watts interstellar cartography experiment. Um, so as Stern and his colleagues explain in their paper, their proposed IOE would have two main science uh, objectives. These include determining the composition of the ISO uh, to provide insights into the origin and evolution. Um, as noted, the studies would provide invaluable information on the initial conditions of the ISO's host solar system, although it would have been contaminated over the millennia of other objects smashing into Ooma Ooma. Um, in this respect, the IOE would uh, provide information similar to what the New Horizons mission revealed about the Kuiper Belt object uh, Arakoth, or how the ESA's Rosetta mission detected the building blocks of life in the comet Cheryumov uh, Gerasimko. Yeah, okay. Anyway, second, the IOA, IOE would determine or constrain the nature composition and sources of ISO Coma. Uh, activity, the tail, basically the stuff that breaks off. Um, 
and determine the processes responsible for the observed activity. Typically, coma activity results in ice sublimating as objects um, approach the star, which releases dust, grains, and refractory organic molecules from the nucleus. Um, it's the premise of some sci-fi horror movies where inside the coma of a of a uh, asteroid flying through um, our solar system, there's an alien ship. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. By the way, I apologize. That was from the February 28th show two days ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, it seems like it was forever. Thank you very much. Um, further study, Stern and his team set a detectability limit of two astronomical units and simulated ISOs with a mean velocity of 32.14 kilometers per second or about... I don't know what MPS, what is that? Miles per second? Is that really? Could it be Price meters per second? Mm, no, because it would be kilometers here. Kilometer. That must be miles per second. Um, and a closest solar approach of 10 astronomical units or less. Other constraints were considered included the position of the Earth and ISO at the time of its detection, ISO's orbit parameters. I think that this is actually pretty limited because there we've already done this. What we need to do is attach a probe that can act as our vehicle to exit the solar system under its own power. Um, and all it does is look around. That's its sole job. Just look around, observe that the length, the, the, the amount of power that it would be able to conserve, not having to propel itself through space would be tremendous. It could last decades longer than anything that we've got out there now um, with a more robust radio so that it could actually send the signal to us maybe even use the new laser uh, communication device that sent a uh, like megabytes oh, of data from right. where was it like saturn or something like that it was or somewhere Neptune? and it was like in 30 seconds or something yeah, it was like a ton of data. It was amazing. Anyway, um, there. Let, let's just throw this into the chat and we'll keep on trucking through this because we're going to be running late tonight. But it's Friday. Friday, Friday. Oh, I might run afoul of a copyright. Yeah, you might. <laughs> Uh, the next article is over on the Mobile channel. Let me throw it immediately into the chat and we... We will see what happens with this one. Atlanta to Microsoft, give us the 15,000 jobs you promised or give us our land back, you bastards. So Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens is putting pressure on Microsoft to fulfill its plans to bring 15,000 new jobs to the city or return 90 acres of land that sat empty since the tech giant bought the property in 2021. You see, what happened was Microsoft paused development of the 90-acre complex in 2023 after laying off 10,000 employees. Bruce Gill put the article together for Quartz.com or QZ.com. Um, and I have to say, I think it's reasonable. Because I do the, too, and I also think this is a bigger trend, right? Where they have these massive projects, everybody relies on them, and then they just bail out. Yep. And... Um, I've witnessed this in several states and in our own backyard where a major project was ramped up with tax benefits and uh, deductions on the land's costs and all kinds of goodwill facilitated. Um, and then yeet, done. 
and then nothing happens and the land basically sits afoul i think uh it is to this very day still reduced um in what it, its uh, land use was so this one is 90 acres of land that is set empty since 2021 that could prove difficult for Microsoft as the tech industry, including Microsoft is grappling with widespread layoffs to start 2024. Um, I had just heard today that there's a website out there that's tracking uh, the number of terminations or firings, I should say firings. Terminations is so final um, and mortal. Terminal. <laughs> Terminal, yeah. Um, so the the number of firings so far just in the software and gaming industry, the gaming industry itself, software developers, somewhere around 10,000 people already in the first, not even the first quarter of 2024. Well, I'm sure it's at least that many, right? I mean, each time we hear a company, it's that many. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. So Dickens told Bloomberg on Friday that he plans to ask Microsoft for an update on the company's planned 90-acre complex in Atlanta's Grove Park neighborhood. The project was first announced in 2021 and supposed to bring thousands of jobs. What the heck was that? There was a rustle in hometown. So anyway, the the problem here is that Microsoft isn't going to be returning these people until the market shifts and they find profitability in hiring 15,000 people. They laid off 10,000. They hadn't even hit their goal. Yeah. It's oh, sad look. to have termination goals. There it is again. Look. In late January, the company said that it was cutting 1,900 player uh, employees from its gaming division. Come on. This is ridiculous. You have record profits. Why don't you? I mean, plus you must have access to all this AGI, according to Elon Musk's uh, web, uh, lawsuit. <laughs> well, maybe the AGI is saying get rid of the humans and pick up that can. Let's keep going. This one will be really quick. Wendy says, I'm a dummy. <laughs> Wow, we couldn't see this one coming. <laughs> so let's catch up. Uh, the article starts out. The fast food chain is backing away from a statement its CEO made on an earnings call. I really think they should be backing away from the CEO because this is the saying the quiet part out loud, right? This is the kind of stuff that a person says when they think that they're being brilliant, but they're really leaning into stupid. And they're, this is the level of their... Uh, cognitive function as it pertains to the culture and society that the culture of the business and the society that you're living in. Hey, let's do a paradigm shift in our, our business model and push us quickly into dystopian 21st, 22nd century by having surge pricing at the counter of a fast food joint. Tamara Palmer over at CNET put this article together. And honestly, look, uh, see, there's something that I want to say about this redhead, but I'll, I'll point it at the CEO. The CEO has to be a sociopath 
and soulless. Because nobody in their right mind is going to sit there and say, you know what we should do? The fifth person in the line should pay $1.50 more because the four people in front of them got there first. No, but could we pick if uh, somebody was fifth in line? <laughs> they should be charged more. <laughs> it could have been somebody featured in one of the previous articles. <laughs> uh, I, I, this is really funny. The beef began when Kirk Tanner, Wendy's president and CEO, mentioned the phrase dynamic pricing during an earnings call in February February 15th. I mean, it was so oh, long ago. Oh, it took ago. a couple weeks for the media yeah. to pick it up, though. It was interesting. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. Information overload is so significant. It's the reason why I made Omtown, okay? And if I would have gotten this back then, this would have been all over Omtown, and I'd probably still be talking about it because people would be sitting there going, what? No, no, what? But it's the same thing as this random talk. Uh, like I, a, a random person said back in 2019, right before the pandemic, that the era of cheap food is over. And while yes, there have been doomsayers saying that for years, decades after doing research, thank you very much AI. I can honestly say none of them manifested as a reality, maybe since the seventies, right? So there were high prices in the 70s. Everything went up because of inflation, largely because oil started to get embargoed and prices were going up because it became a commodity on the open market. It used to be 20 bucks a barrel. And then speculators, when it was brought to the, uh, the, the, the stock market, um, speculators drove it up to 150 bucks a barrel. Yeah, so no greed has nothing to do with. Okay, anyway, and I'm a capitalist. I'm just not a greedy bastard one. So two phrases mean slightly different things, though both refer to flexible pricing. General dynamic pricing refers to prices that go up or down depending on demand. Surge pricing is a form of no. It's a form of dynamic pricing where prices are adjusted only upward. No surge pricing is nothing more than dynamic pricing that does angle up, but surge pricing has to go back down. When does the surge end? Dynamic pricing is the same damn thing. Here's the problem with dynamic pricing. Amazon tried that shit and it's downright unethical just because you can extort more money from somebody doesn't mean you should be allowed to. It's not supposed to be a business model. That is a criminal enterprise. <laughs> they shouldn't be extorting period, not just more or less extortion. <laughs> yeah, but dynamic pricing is actually being used in some places. The dynamic part of dynamic pricing applies to the uh, cultural relativism based on the financial status of a country. So here in the United States, for instance, it's four 99 to be, uh, to pay for, um, subscribing to somebody that streams their channel four 99 a month. If you go to another country, the exchange rate may make it higher or lower to that amount in their native currency but it's supposed to 
equal or at some point be at parity with that economic system. It's not supposed to be, hey, there's a whole bunch of people in, uh, you know, uh, Omtown's channel. So let's start jacking the price up. You know, nobody would ever come into the channel. Well, and that's what it would have happened at Wendy's. If you were standing in line and the price went up while you were standing there, you go, nope. 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 I mean, it is ridiculous. So CNET is talking about it. I think it's great. More people should be talking about it. Um, but they're trying to equivocate. Oh, it's not surge pricing. It's dynamic pricing. No. No. And what about at the drive through I mean, what if you're car number seven, but you're stuck and there's cars in front of you and behind you? Exactly. That's what I was saying when we first talked about it. You know, can you imagine you're standing in line and you're, you got like your, well, what the burger is like 650 now, right? So as you Unless get Unless you're there, in Darien, Connecticut, right? Yeah, That's like, like 24 20 or bucks or whatever. <laughs> for freaking Wendy's burger. Um, and as you take a step, you see that the person in front of you, uh, three people in front of you went up 45 cents. And then the next person, it went up another 50 cents. And then the person directly in front of you paid a dollar 25 more. And you look behind you and there's like 12 people behind you. And all you can do is look back and go, I'm sorry, I need to buy a burger and it's going to cost you 250 because it's costing me 225. Do you think they'd have one of those awful displays? And so <laughs> like the, um, the number would be ticking up as you're waiting. <laughs> and it's going to be really loud, like one of those train yes. station ones. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't think how to describe that. But... <laughs> those little flapper boards. Yeah. Or like a the uh, like the old old timey sci fi version of time travel where it's just going. Bzzz. Oh right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's exactly what I was envisioning. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't care about the rest of this. They want to talk about using AI. I think it's all stupid. Um, and AI AI is also on the menu on the earnings call. Tanner said that the company already has rolled out what he called Wendy's fresh AI in some restaurant locations. He said the company is seeing ongoing improvement in speed and accuracy with regards to AI use and what AI use is in this context is they're getting rid of the person at the drive through window, taking your order. You're speaking it into a, into a speaker. The AI is detecting what you're saying and you're going to end up with a bag of soggy fries and an orange drink instead of what you wanted. Exactly. Because think about when you speak to other things like smart home speakers and it completely doesn't understand you. <laughs> That's what's going to happen here. Yeah. You're like, look, I did not ask for it to play Ozzy Osbourne at maximum volume at three o'clock. I'm in the trying morning. to go to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> it to play chill music man all right anyway yeah i'm looking at you little black speaker and you're the dumbest smart speaker i own okay let's go on to the last article 
Um, this one's kind of near and dear. I've been doing this for a long time, but I actually have fallen off the wagon, which is the worst possible thing you can do when you do intermittent fasting. But this is an article over in hometown daily fasting's unknown health benefits revealed in a new study. Researchers were able to track how calorie restriction was affecting the major organs of participants in the study by tracing markers in their blood. Vampires, all of them. I'm sorry, that slipped out. Um, let's see what they actually say. So there's a video here. It says weight loss by intermittent fasting can alter your brain activity. <laughs> really? Really? Sorry, that AI is just sending error messages. <laughs> yes. Doing okay? There are no words. <laughs> <laughs> so the article is by Pandora Dewan. So I always make this kind of joke because Pandora... Uh, Pandora Dewan has some really amazing stories that get plopped out there and they're always kind of scary when you when you open Pandora's box. <laughs> well, the article's over at newsweek.com by Pandora Dewan and it says here uh, fasting has been practiced for thousands of years for both medical and cultural reasons. Our hunter-gatherer ancestors were also forced to adapt to extended periods without food and as a as a result our bodies have evolved to survive. Um, and thrive through extended periods of fasting. So, and I do this again, but I've fallen off the wagon because I like to eat and sometimes I just graze when I'm doing work. Um, in a new study published in the journal Nature Metabolism, researchers from Queen Mary University in London and the Norwegian School of Sports Sciences followed 12 healthy volunteers because if they follow all of the bad volunteer unhealthy volunteers they probably get different results um over a seven day water only fast seven days of nothing that but sounds water. very dangerous brutal so the volunteers were closely monitored to track changes in the levels of various protein markers in their blood um, giving a simple snapshot of the body's response to its changing environment. I just read today that having too much protein can impact your heart. Um, so you have to ride this fine line of how much protein you intake. Uh, we are, we're so complex that when you go and get your blood, blood checked, and I'm really into data, so I like seeing what my stats are, so I regularly get my blood checked. Um, and, and it's really not even like um, impacting my base health. Uh, we know exactly where I am. Um, and one little thing, you know, and all of a sudden people lose their freaking mind because there's a marker that's out of line. But then you talk to somebody, you talk to the nutritionist at the doctor's office and suddenly you need better nutrition. You talk to the sports therapist and suddenly you need um resistive training um in the physical therapy office and it's going to cost you five thousand dollars a year um you go and see a, a surgeon and they go We're, the whole problem here is we got to cut you open right you go see a cardiologist same thing oh it's your heart we're gonna have to spend countless hours poking and prodding you when you are the widget Every time you see something else, you're either the nail or the board or the whatever. Ugh, it's so dis disheartening. All I all I want is an answer, right? If you're seeking medical advice. 
In total, the volunteers lost an average of 5.7 kilograms of both fat mass and lean mass. However, the researchers also observed distinct changes in the participants' blood biomarkers after about three days of fasting. Their results demonstrate that after three days of fasting, it triggers a whole body response. Of particular interest were the proteins that make up the supportive structure of our brain cells. Fasting, when done safely, is an effective weight loss intervention. Popular diets that incorporate fasting, such as intermittent fasting, claim to have health benefits beyond weight loss. They provide evidence. Uh, but these were only uh, visible after three days of total caloric restriction later than they previously thought total you're basically removing all of the because you're drinking nothing but water that doesn't have any calories exactly yeah be very careful if you do intermittent fasting if you push it too hard if you don't actually speak to anybody in the medical profession you really oh see they say it here as well so thankfully they actually say it um if you push yourself too hard or if you have something anomalous in your biology and you try and do intermittent fasting, you could trigger something that would be detrimental to your health. So go and speak to a professional before you start. Right. And oh, if yeah. you have a health condition in particular, you might not be the best person yeah. to start intermittent fasting, depending yeah, on the condition. You may not do it at all. Yeah. Um, but it's a really neat article and it's showing that we really don't know what the hell is going on, <laughs> but we're learning more. And that's the important thing. Maybe some point in the future, you know, when we're flying through the stars, we'll be able to understand our biology enough where we can just be healthy. Right? No more oh. cavities, <laughs> you know, no more weight related issues. No more cancer, no more tiredness, whatever. I don't know. I kind of feel like when we figured out all the space travel and all that, we're going to completely forget about the day-to-day <laughs> -day stuff that we're still trying to figure out. Yep. You know what? Just transfer my consciousness into an AI and I will happily pilot the either the ship or our little robot body and... Because let me tell or you. Or the USB chip that ends up in a Wendy's parking lot. Wendy's. Look, people. I found my sentient AI on some weird looking USB drive in a Wendy's parking lot at 3 o'clock in the morning. They said that they were open 24 hours. And let me tell you, they were not. But I did find that sentient AI. And you're awesome. So thanks for doing the show with me. And... We'll see you all after we do a bunch of end of the show stuff. And uh, then we'll set up for tomorrow's show. But anyway, everybody, we're done with the show. So get back into the party bus and we'll drive back down Main Street. Y'all don't even see that because it's below the fold here. And um, yeah, there's the front page. We'll refresh it and there's a whole bunch of new stuff and who knows, I don't know if the sentient AI actually checked because <laughs> whenever, I think it's okay. Whenever the sentient AI says, Hey, it's okay. Go ahead. Um, the aggregator actually <laughs> throws some. Like it refreshes right after that. 
the workers would throw their shoes into the machinery, hence the word sabotage. Sabo was the shoe. It's the name of the shoe. Oh, okay. Anyway, so, yeah, my, my, the whole show would be sabotaged because, you know, the AI throws their Sabo in there. Anyway, I'm Merwatt. That's hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI that kept me out of trouble today. Yeah. There's a win. <laughs> One day down, several to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's Friday, so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow for episodes of Hometown Daily, Wanted, and Reality Hacker. <laughs> and then on Sunday, Hometown Daily, Continuity Report, and Technology Today. There you go. I don't even remember them all. It's getting bad. We're going to have to put a banner up or something. Hmm. We'll see. It's not a bad idea. That isn't a bad. What I've been really wanting to do, though, is for every episode to have the rundown of the actual show. And it's going to look something like. I have to be careful. No, it's going to dox me. <laughs> so I want like um, all of the episode um, titles to go through as we go through it. Um, but I can't. The timing just doesn't work out right. So. Anyway, that's it, folks. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hence the name Sabotage.